Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. Our purpose is to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're working our way through 1 Timothy in our current series, Behave Yourself. Now let's jump in and hear what Kurt has to say. And welcome back, friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. We're already in the last chapter of our current book, the book of 1 Timothy, and we talked uh, at the end of last episode about withdrawing ourselves from those that have the false philosophy that gain is godliness. Having more, being more, being better thought of, you know, that's an indication of godliness. When so often, John, the exact opposite is true. You're exactly right. I think of Jesus, where Jesus says, you know, the foxes have holes, the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus was certainly not living the life of the rich and the famous, materially speaking, when he walked upon this earth. But it's so easy sometimes for people to get, you know, pulled into that racket of materialism where godliness, you know, is gain. You know, if I get more gain, then I'm godly. But that is so different from Jesus Christ, as we already have mentioned. Yeah, Job was the godliest man uh, in 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 the world, really. The Bible says in the book of Job, and yet his godliness was enhanced, and the best indication of it was when he lost everything. So, godliness is not a matter of what we have or don't have; it's a matter of who we are and the work of Christ inside of us. That's why. Chapter 6, verses 1 through 5 speaks about our attitude, about the, the name of God, our, our guarding of his reputation. We represent him, and uh, he is working in our life. We might not think it's, it's jazzy to be working for somebody else or to feel like we're forgotten by this world, but God has purposes that transcend our understanding, and we need to understand that. Look at verse number uh, 6 of 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, where the Bible says, but, so in contrast with the false teachers who were assuming that gain was godliness, the Bible says in verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So Paul turns the whole thing around and says, okay, if you do want to know what gain is, if you do want to know what a huge leap step forward is in your life, then here it is, godliness with contentment. In other words, be content with whatever God is doing in your life outside of your control to help you become more like Jesus. If you'll be content with how God's shaping you and working in your life, that's a tremendous gain for you. That is a great reminder for all of us that, you know, material wealth is, does not necessarily correlate to God's, you know, working in your life that, because you're a godly person. But if you are godly, godliness itself is its own reward, so to speak. It is gain in the eyes of God. If we serve Jesus Christ and follow him and live a life that's honoring to him, you know, that is what God highly values. That's what Jesus Christ values. And Christ reminds us we need to be his disciple. For if a man gain the whole world, lose his own soul, what value is that to him? A godly life, there's nothing like that. That is what honors and pleases God. And remember our context. The context here is that of a servant who feels trapped by his job, maybe might feel it's unfair that, hey, here I am, and yet God's at work in this person's life. I think about what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, where he said, uh, 
I know both how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. You know, I have, I've learned I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I've learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. So contentment is a matter of saying, God, what you provide, what you're doing is not only enough, it's what I need. It's what's good. So when I can be content with what God is doing in my life to make me more like Jesus, that's a huge leap forward for me. It's a great leap forward. It's a great, it's a great indicator of our perspective. We have the right perspective about who God is and how God works in our life and how God loves us. We're not going to determine God's goodness to us by the material things that God gives us because we know there is more to life than just material gain. And, and Paul reminds Timothy of that in this passage here. And this is a great principle for us to live by day by day. Paul gives a couple universal truths for us to consider to help us understand the principle of contentment. The first one is found in verse number seven, where he says, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. So the first thing that Paul uses to incentivize our contentment is, hey, we started with nothing, we're going to end with nothing. Job said, Naked came I into this world, and naked shall I return. I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I came in with nothing. I'm leaving with nothing. You can't take it with you. So the point is, you're, 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 you, you didn't start with anything. You didn't finish with anything. So whatever you have right now, be content with it. It's more than you started with. It's more than you're going to end with. I'm reminded of the truth that what we will have in eternity is what we send ahead of us, so to speak. Our investment in people's life, you know, people come to Christ and grow in Jesus Christ. These material things I have, like you said, they're going to be here. They're going to be gone, go back to dust someday. But as I live with the right view in mind, I realize what truly is important. And it reminds me what, what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18 and 16 through 18 about that. I don't live for the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And that really was Paul's driving force in life. Verse And that's a great context, too, because it was in that same context that the Apostle Paul said, I can even look at my affliction as being relatively small when I consider it in light of eternity. So that's a, that's a really a good cross-reference, John. Verse number eight, and having food and raiment— so food and clothes, let us be therewith content. So not only does Paul help us to say, look at the big picture of your life. Didn't start with anything. You're not going to finish with anything. So whatever you have, that's a blessing. But then number two, and what do you have? You have what you need. You do have food. You do have raiment. I don't suppose that there's anybody listening to the podcast today who didn't eat today or couldn't have eaten today. You may not have eaten yet, and maybe you're fasting, but, but the point is, food is available to you as our clothes. And we uh, American Christians, and I know most of us listening are Americans, we're just so spoiled. And Paul said, downgrade your expectations. You know, when you upgrade your up expectations to, I need to have the station of everyone else. I need to have everyone else's freedom and gift and stuff and fill in that blank, then you're setting yourself up, uh, up for uh, disappointment. But if you'll have the, the mindset of, Lord, I have my necessities, 
Matthew 6.33, uh, these things have been added unto me. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse whatever it is, 11 or so, I have food, I, I, I have my daily bread. Be content with God's provision of necessities. And this is a, just a great truth, a great principle to live by day by day. And as you mentioned, Pastor, it's, it's often in America, we have more than we need, uh, more even than we can use sometimes, frankly. But God wants us to have the mentality, look, you know, I may have all these things around me, but they, they don't they don't own me. Uh, you know, God has given them to me. I need to be a good steward of them. And just have the simple heart of contentment that if I have food and raiment, hey, I have the blessing of God in my life. You know, I don't, I don't need to have all these things make me happy because the person who needs things to make them happy, we know it's going to happen. They never will be happy. Always have to have more in order to get where they want to be. Sure. And when I'm not content with what I have, when, 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 when contentment says it's enough, discontentment says it's not enough. And discontentment is not a matter of you don't. It's not a matter of something you don't have. Discontentment is a matter of something that you are not, because discontentment is not what you don't have. Discontentment is a heart attitude. You'll always be discontent, no matter how much you have. Some of the most discontented people I've ever met are people that have a lot of stuff. They have all kinds of resources, but they still want more. They want more, and so the Bible says in verse number nine. But, so there's the contrast to contentment, but they that will be rich. Now, notice it doesn't say, but they that are rich. It just says they that will be rich. You know why? Because you don't have to be rich to want to be rich. And you can be rich and want to have more. So those that live for riches, those that live for what they can get, they that will be rich, they're always striving for that next big thing. They're always striving for that next thing that's going to make them happy. They that will be rich, they fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. I mean, what a verse. But when you live that way, you're, you're just like you're drowning out in the ocean of your own discontentment. They sure are people and they sure are pastor. And we have all known people like this who just allow things to just control their lives. They live to get, live to, they live to get more. And people that do that often will even do things that, although this is not always true, but can be true. Well, they will do things underhandedly to get where they want to be at. Um, but wealth does not, does not bring contentment. And so the person who has this mentality goes back to what you said. It is really a heart issue, a heart issue where they are not right. And this is how they're trying to find fulfillment in life. But the things like Paul's talking about here do not bring fulfillment. It actually leads you into sin to doing wrong because of this, this just pervasive mentality you have that I have to have wealth. Yeah. And people that have all kinds of stuff, I mean, you look at these Hollywood elites, you look at people that have great resources. Oftentimes, it's it's just it's the the jail that they live in. You know, I look at some of these actors, some of these famous people that they can't even walk in public. They're in jail. Uh, they can't go anywhere. They can't do anything. Their lives are wrapped up in what do people think and you know what paparazzi shot is going to appear on the tabloid a newspaper and. Uh, what, what, what can I do to retain my beauty and I'm, I'm a beauty queen or, or my athleticism or, or whatever. It, it, it's a trap. It's a snare. Uh, they're living in a, 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 total, um, a total trap uh, of life. It's, it's so sad. 
it sure is sad, Pastor. You know, and we see people even sometimes who go from rags to riches sometimes. People who win the lottery. They play the lottery. That's their heart. They're always after that. They win that big money. And then from you hear all kinds of horror stories. Uh, family gets divided. Why? Because the heart was never right to begin with. They had this insatiable thirst for wealth and thought they'd be happy. They got it and they found out they were not. It just brought them continual struggle and problems. And we've known many people who've been very millionaires in their life, but they end penniless because of things that bad decisions they've made and their wealth did not help them live a life that was a good quality of life. My son, Nathaniel, Uh, started a company several years ago called Financial Pathway. And the sole purpose is to help Christians understand the importance of biblical financial stewardship. And he does a podcast called the Financial Pathway Podcast. And uh, I don't often recommend a podcast on here. You know that. But I would say this, you need to take a listen to that podcast he covers issues like this. You, what reminded me of it, John, is you mentioned about lottery winners, and he talked about how most lottery winners end up going into debt. They go bankrupt. And he's just done so many great episodes that are practical and helpful, uh, especially for young couples, but no matter where you are in life, investing or whatever, it's it's a, it's a really a great resource, the Financial Pathway podcast. I think about that Luke chapter 12 where that rich man it has all this stuff, and I don't know what to do with all my stuff. What am I going to do? And finally, he comes up with this great idea. I know what I'll do. I'll just build bigger barns for my stuff. I'll buy some more storage units. So I'll have more room for my stuff. And he dies that very night. And, and the Lord says, you're a fool. You're a fool. All you're doing is bi- building bigger barns for your stuff and not re- realizing that there's something much more important than stuff, and that's your soul. And I think that's what Paul's driving at right here in 1 Timothy chapter number 6. We're going to come back to verse number 10, very famous verse, uh, next episode. So I want you to join us for that. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great day today. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If everyday truth matters to you, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.